Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor here at BikeRadar.com and at MBUK Magazine as well. Joining me today through the magic of Microsoft Teams, we have two of our tech titans. We've got Alex Evans, Senior Technical Editor at Bike Radar. How are you getting on, Alex? Hey, Tom. Doing really well, thank you. Excellent. How is your little padded cell up in Scotland where you yeah. record your podcasts from? <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've got my, my two duvets, my four pillows and uh, I have lined the walls, but that's not for the sound quality. It's so that I can remain warm. <laughs> it's not got that bad, has it, Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. No, my, my hands are still uh, glove-free. Ungloved. And, There's uh, no hats on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not burning books just to, to just to keep a bit of heat in the house. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, John is also down further in the southwest. Is our tech writer, Luke Marshall. How are you getting on, Luke? I see you've got a full head of hair and a warm jumper on, so you're also <laughs> a little bit chilly. Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks, Tom. Yeah, as we were saying, uh, I'm getting my winter coat on now, so that's starting with the hair growing. Excellent. So that's going to just keep uh, keep growing that out for the winter to, um, yeah, keep me nice and toasty. Don't take uh, a full head of hair for granted, Luke, uh, speaking as, <laughs> as your favourite bald mountain bike tester. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a full head of shiny grey hair soon, but it's uh, but it's there. So <laughs> You'll be a silver fox soon enough, Luke, I'm sure. Exactly, that's what I'm going for, yeah. Um, you've just come back from somewhere a little bit sunnier than the southwest of England, haven't you, Luke? I know we can't talk about what it was you saw, but did you have a nice time in the south of France? Oh, to south of Spain, Tom. South of Spain, even further south. South How of was Spain, that? even further south, yeah. 
looking over at Morocco. Uh, yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, I was out there to see a new bike that's being launched next year, so I can't tell you anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the trip was, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Like, good fun rocky trails, mm-hmm. um, a good mix of kind of uphill and downhill, completely spoiled with, like, local cuisine and Oof. wine. And, um, That's the dream. Yeah, no, uh, and a bit of sunshine. So we, uh, we camped the first night. Uh, Intense. Intense, yeah, had a teepee. Oh, God. Um, well, I'm out as well. Yeah, life's too short. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so they did put a very nice mattress down on the floor and uh, and a duvet, but uh, it still gets pretty chilly down there at night and in November. So, but uh, the other nights were in, uh, yeah, bunked up in a hotel. So very good. But yeah, very fancy little trip. And you've uh, you've come back to the joys of uh, winter testing. So what are you what are you getting on with now in the in the slop and the mud? A faff free test, is it, or is it a bit of a no, there's no such thing as a faff free test, Tom. <laughs> no, so, um, yeah, so I've been busy, actually. i uh, just been finishing up reviews for 1,500-pound trail bikes. Mm. So there's been a Polygon, a Vitus, a Boardman, and a Jamis. Yeah. Um, so these are going to be coming out online and in MBUK pretty soon. Mm-hmm. I think they come out just before Christmas time in the magazine, so around the same time online. And yeah, and I was actually completely humbled by those bikes, you know, like when you go away to one of these trips and they, they tend to give you the like most top spec fancy mm. bike when you go for a, a press camp. And uh, and so it's been nice to mix that up with, say, these more entry level mountain bikes. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, completely humbled by how, how good they are. So for kind of half the price of what you might pay for a, what we would call a mid spec bike, mm-hmm. you still get like 90 percent of the fun. Yeah. Like like on the trails they're designed for, you go to the bike park or the trail centre, go around the blues and the red trails. You know, there's a lot of fun to be had on them and they're surprisingly capable. Um, so it was really interesting to see. And uh, there's a few compromises, of course, when prices come to that um, that bracket. But it's uh, I was, yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed riding them all in all. Excellent stuff. Um, one of our colleagues, Oscar, has just come back from a product launch. Uh, again, I think you'll be able to read about it in a couple of days after this podcast comes, podcast comes out. Um, but the bike he was testing, I think, was fourteen thousand seven hundred pounds, which I think by a quick poll on Slack this morning probably is the most expensive mountain bike we have ever tested and perhaps ever seen on BikeRadar.com. That's an yeah. awful lot of money. You could buy ten of, you could buy two and a half of your entire group tests for that much money, pretty much. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and from a mainstream brand as well, uh, you know, yeah. not not just like a little boutique handmade jobby somewhere, um, you know, where obviously you're going to have to pay more. Uh, you know, that's a, a bonkers amount of money. It is. So on, on that note, Tom, how are you? Because you've asked us, how are you? Uh, um, I've got a little frog in my throat. <clears throat> is that because you're French or? <laughs> May not. Uh... French in spirit. French and spirit, if only. Maybe not nationality. Um, I, I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty busy, but that's that's all good. I've got um, we're in the last sort of six weeks before Christmas, um, and I've got a little backlog of bikes that I'm going to be converting from sort of first rides into full reviews, which means a bit more riding. Uh, and I've got some winter riding shoes, winter riding boots to test, uh, and a few other bits and pieces to sort of tick off in the next few weeks. But that's all good. Um, I've got next week off on holiday which I'm, yeah, or this week, as it will be when this podcast goes out, I'm on holiday, um, which is great. Amazing. How about you, Al? What are you doing? 
Uh, I'm putting in a lot of wet miles on something that I also can't talk about. <laughs> Our um, world is so we're so so elusive, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if if you spot me out on the trails, please no photos. <laughs> avert your eyes um but that, that's kind of culminating in something that you know ho- hopefully uh it'll it'll make all the miles worth it basically um and you'll be able to you'll be able to read about that in the new year at some time excellent i mean i'm intrigued because i don't actually know what you're talking about so i'll look forward to next year keep keep tuned to biteradar.com uh, i shall i'm on it every day <laughs> So today is one of our news roundup podcasts where we look back through the past couple of weeks worth of new releases, uh, bikes and tech. And in this episode, we're going to talk about five new bikes. We've got one from Marin. We've got one from Orbea or Marin. One from Orbea. Luke, do you want to update my pronunciation of Orbea? Is is there a bit of a Spanish? As good as I can say it, I would would not trust my Spanish pronunciation. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And three from Yeti. Um, Is that... Can I pronounce Yeti like Yeti? Uh, uh, Yeti. I don't know. That's Yeti, very, hey. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but we're, we're going to start with, uh, we're going to go in alphabetical order. Um, so it means we're going to start with the letter M and we're going to start with the letter A, Alex Evans. Oh, Tell wow. us about this new Marin. That was great. I hadn't even, I hadn't even twigged on that until right now. And in fact, the O, L, L, like in the middle, uh, and T for Tom. Right at the end. My God. So I'd just like to say welcome everyone to this episode of Sesame Street. (laughs) Today we are going to be learning the alphabet. (laughs) 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 All right. Okay. Well, uh, let's start with the letter M. So uh, Marin, uh, as you're supposed to call it, because it's uh, from Marin County, not Marin. Uh, All you naughty, naughty British people. Apologies. that wrong. Um, this is their new Rift Zone bike, which um, is a self-proclaimed most popular mountain bike, mm. um, and I think that's a you know a pretty fair proclama- proclamation um, because you know it's a trail bike. It's 130 mil travel at the back, 140 mil travel at the front. Um, you know, it's the type of bike that people are going to be buying and riding the most. There's no other way to kind of skin that cat, I guess. So, what's new on the 2023 Rift Zone? Tell us, Al. I'll tell you. Well, <laughs> well, Tom, uh, today on Sesame Street, um, no, I joke. Uh, look, basically, it, it's not been like a huge um, ev- revolutionary change. You know, it's that the bike hasn't undergone a massive metamorphosis where, you know, it's completely different design, different shapes, all this. It, it looks iconically rift zone. So if you pair, compare this one to the old model, you're still going to be able to identify it as a Marin rift zone. But what they've done is they've worked really hard trying to refine it. So they've seen what was wrong with the old one and they've gone to town and made those bits better. Um, a lot of this is kind of around the tubing, the cable routing uh, and the suspension and to an extent, the geometry. So what have they done with the cable routing? Well, basically, they've updated the, um, let's try and get this terminology correct, the chainstay pivot yoke. Mm-hmm. which is the bit of metal that brackets the uh, pivot location on the main frame and allows the chainstay to move when the suspension compresses. So you think of it like a letter C going over the main pivot. That's, that's what a yoke looks like. Tom's looking very confused, but I can yeah. assure you, in my mind's eye, this is exactly what it looks <laughs> like. Um, this is the, the joy of audio is uh, you have to deal with my description. 
Um, but basically what they've done is that they've, re they've redesigned this yoke and they've routed the cable nice and close to the main pivot via a port in the yoke. Uh, and this keeps the, the brake and um, gear cables from flapping about and also from you know flexing loads. So basically they go over the axis of the pivot. So when the suspension compresses, the cable's not bowing everywhere, it's not flopping around. Um, they've also improved the cable routing through the mainframe. Um, so the, the cable entry ports are now angled um, and they're little brazed in tabs of metal. Um, so this stops the cables from bowing outwards massively where they exit the frame or enter it by the head tube. Uh, and it looks really neat and tidy. Um, other things they've done. So they have increased the progression, ugh, increased the progression of the suspension. This basically means that they've made the suspension ramp up more compared to the old one as it goes through its travel. Um, in this case, it kind of makes it super supple at the start and then dead supportive in the middle and then loads of bottom out resistance at the end. Uh, their current figure that they're giving is 21.72% progressive. Wow, that's quite progressive. Yeah, that's pretty progressive. Yeah, so the leverage ratio starts at 2.66 and drops to 2.09 at bottom mm. out. Um, so, you know, it, it, and on the trail, because I've ridden this bike, um, maybe we'll get onto this in a little bit more detail in a second. Um, it, it basically means that it's super fluttery at the start, like loads of little small bump compliance, like super comfortable, really, um, you know, really easy to ride on, on kind of trail center terrain, like worn out embedded rocks. But then you want to pop off a jump or rail a turn and the suspension doesn't bottom out. It doesn't plow through that mid stroke. Um, and it also takes the big hits well. This actually means that it kind of feels like it has more travel than it does, um, which is super nice. impressive. Um, and then onto the geometry. So it, it's not huge changes from the old model. Basically, the seat tube angles got a little bit steeper. So it's now at 77 degrees for all of the sizes. Um, and the chain stays have grown from 45 millimeters to 430, I believe. Uh, reach for size large is 470. Uh, head tube angle is 65.5 degrees. So, you know, it's 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 not groundbreaking, it's not crazy, but it is very much spot on the money for that 130, 140 mil travel trail bike uh, kind of zone. You know, it's it, like it's a, very... a solid trail bike shape. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're looking to tackle the gnarliest downhills on your trail bike, yeah. Maybe not going to be best suited to it, you know, as like the um, Canyon uh, Strive, is it, I believe? Do I mean Strive? Hang on, which one is it? The Canyon Strive is the Enduro bike, and that's, that's really slack. Striving, which is the one that you tested uh, in Bike of the Year, Spectral. Tom, that was super slack. Spectral 125. Spectral 125. There you go. So it's not quite as extreme as that, um, but, you know, it's sort of, it, it's kind of getting there. It's a good trail bike. Nice. A few things of note. Oh. So it's available in four different wheel sizes. So 29, 27.5, 26, and 24-inch wheels. Oh, cool. So there's no mullet option. So there's no uh, 29 front, 27.5 rear. But each bike has you know, a dedicated frame. So the 27.5 and the 29 are two separate frames, albeit they share their geometry. Mm. Um. The 26-inch wheel bike and the 24-inch wheel bike are the same frame, but obviously have slightly different wheel sizes. These are actually designed for juniors, for kids. Um, so, you know, they're like, uh, they've got the same sort of geometry, you know, the slack head tube angle, the steep seat tube angle as the adult bikes. Um, you know, it's, it's impressive stuff. Marin has, uh, sorry, Marin 
I get told off by myself there. Um, you know, they've done a really, really impressive job of of building these these four bikes. Um, however, there is still an icing on the cake to this new Rift Zone. And I think that will be the pricing. Now, this is going to surprise quite a few people, I think, because, you know, as you'll learn in a second when I finally talk about it, it rides really well. So prices start at £1,695 or US dollars for the Rift Zone 1, 26 and Junior 24. And then they rise to 2,995 slash 3,499 for the range topping XR. So they're very affordable. What's, so what's the most affordable uh, full 29 or full 27.5? Uh, they are, sorry, they are both, um, eek, they are both 1695 slash 1799. So the same price as the Junior and the 24. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. So Rift Zone 1, 26 and Junior 24 all cost the same. Nice. Um, and, you know, that's incredible value. That's really, really quite impressive. Um, what, what's the spec on that entry-level bike? So the entry-level bike, you get a uh, X-Fusion O2 Pro R rear shock, the X-Fusion Slide Boost RC fork, Shimano's Dior M5100 drivetrain. So that's the 10-speed drivetrain, but with the clutch, uh, you know, still got a wide-range cassette, etc. Um, Shimano's BI MT200, uh, two piston calipers with the, mm-hmm. yeah, they're all right. The BL M200 levers, they're like the, the long lever blades. Um, there's still plenty of power. They still feel pretty good. Um, and then you get a host of Marin, Marin, uh, sorry, Marin, apologies, Marin components to finish off wheels, bar stem, grips, seat post saddle, etc. Uh, you do have to upgrade to the, um, the Rift Zone 2. In order to get a dropper post, um, so that's the Transx YSP twenty three JL, which is <laughs> a bit of a mouthful. But you upgrade that, and that's two thousand one hundred ninety five slash two thousand three hundred ninety nine dollars. So two thousand one hundred ninety five pounds. Yeah, really affordable. So how does this bike ride on the trail? Well, in a nutshell, because I think we're probably at the point where nutshells are going to be appreciated, judging from Tom's <laughs> face. <laughs> He <laughs> looks very, very unimpressed with my uh, long rambling. Uh, <laughs> so, it, do you know what? It's really good. It's really capable, really balanced feeling. And it's super comfortable. So I rode the XR version. It's not light. You know, it's like it's just over 15 kilos for a size large, which is pretty heavy. But it's got fast rolling tires. And because it's so comfy, you can just keep trucking on. It kind of feels like a diesel train rather than a you know, a lightweight sports car or whatever, you know, you can stab the pedals, it goes, but it's not lightning fast acceleration, but you can just keep going on it. Nice upright seated, nice upright seated pedaling position. So your feet are nice and below your hips. You're not any kind of like weird stretched out thing going on there. There's no strange weight through your hands or your, or your sit bones. Um, but then you kind of hit on the descent and like pumpy fun or tame trail center loops, something like that. It, it's just so much fun to ride. It's like a super good all-round great partner to ride. Even when it gets a bit gnarlier, like I said earlier, that super progressive suspension, um, great leverage ratio actually makes it punch a lot higher than you know its travel figure would suggest. And you can take, you know, you can tackle some pretty gnarly terrain on it. Um I guess in summary, um it's a jack of all trades. 
but it is definitely a master of quite a few of them. You know, it, it kind of goes against that. If it's good at all the different things, there's going to be compromises. But actually, it's got such a wide kind of gamut of ability that, you know, it's really, really good and it doesn't flinch no matter what kind of terrain you put it in front of. Um, so if you're looking for a budget-friendly top-performing trail bike, personally, I think the Rift Zone XR, which is the most expensive one, uh, you know, just under £3,000, I think that's got to be one of the top picks at the moment. Lovely stuff. A lovely summary. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, speedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High praise indeed. High praise indeed, Alex. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Loved it. And uh, just to add a bit of context, um, I I had a 5010 to kind of ride this with, and the 5010's a mullet bike. Um, But, you know, Santa Cruz has kind of broadened the... the, what the 5010 is designed to do beyond just jibs, jumps, parks, you know, that kind of riding. Um, and I'd say that the Marin was probably more fun and easier to ride than the 5010, which uh, the current model, the model I've got there is uh, just over eight grand. So, mm. you know, your, your three grand Marin against your eight grand 5010 and the Marin's kind of edging ahead. You're like, okay probably a similar spec on the uh, santa cruz as well <laughs> oh. <Burn>. oh dear <sighs> spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments there's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices free samples free shipping and our 100 satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Oh, All right, let's move on to the uh, the middle of our alphabet uh, with Luke. He's going to tell us about <laughs> the new old bear. Is that what in is alphabetical it? order? It uh, is. M-N-O. It is. Wow. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So, um, so as I mentioned, I had a a, f- a few weeks ago a second trip, or it would have been the first trip out to Spain. Um, this time to the north of Spain, there to see the guys at Obea as they've just released their new wild enduro bike or e-enduro bike, I should say. So this is their kind of, um, their updated wild for the model 2023. So the last update was in 2020. And it's the the bike that their enduro race team use on the EWS e-circuit. Um, and yeah, and it was uh, an impressive really kit. They've kind of, as usual, made significant updates to the geometry. The old geometry was a little bit outdated, so they've improved that. They've changed the kinematics. Um, they've worked a lot on the suspension. Um, 
that's a lie. They have worked on stretching elastic kinematics, but they've worked a lot on the stiffness of the frame. And probably one of the most interesting things is it doesn't have a removable battery. So it uses an integrated battery now. Okay. Um, and the theory behind this is, as obvious as it sounds, once you start cutting a big hole in the down tube so you can take a battery in and out, you reduce the frame stiffness significantly. So Obeya's claim was like for the additional um, forces and weight of an e-bike, so because of the battery, because of the motor, because of the more robust components on it, they say that uh, an e-bike needs to be roughly 10% stiffer than a, a standard non-motorized or non-powered bike. Just a regular bike, we call it that. A bike. A bike. A bike. A bike. A mountain ah, bike. Yeah. Stiffer than a yeah. bike. Ah, got you. So they started did these tests and uh, and they figured their old um, their old wild was far too flexible. And so that they, the only way they could achieve the kind of the, the weight they wanted plus the stiffness was to not cut a big hole in the down tube. So it's got an integrated battery, so you can't remove it unless you take out the motor. Um, That's the so this same is, as their um, as their rise, isn't it? I believe the al- yeah. aluminium version of the rise, you have to take the motor out in order to remove the battery. Yeah, so I think that's right. And um, and yes, yeah, so, so this has increased the frame stiffness by just over like 50% from that old one. Blimey. And as, and as a perspective, this kind of, again, now it's just over 10% stiffer than their new Rayon, so their Enduro bike. Okay. Um, so they kind of hit their targets there, but they've also managed on like a, a large frame to shave off 900 grams in weight from it. So the goal is to have this bike to be the kind of best Enduro e-bike out there that's it they, they, they use it to go racing and they want it to be the best possible so it's not just the most powerful they want it to be one of the lightest one of the easiest to ride and yet have all the range that they can get out of it so what sort um, of uh, what sort of geometry figures are we looking at so geometry wise they've based it very much off the rayon enduro bike so it, it's nothing crazy out there but it's just very practical geometry. So head angle is 64 degrees. Effective seat tube angle is 77.5 degrees. Um, reach for a medium is 455 and reach for a large is 480. So quite common figures. They've managed to take off like seven mil off the chainstays and now they've reduced the chainstays to 448 millimeters. And they actually increased the bottom bracket height five mil, I think. So it's now it sits at a 25 mil bottom bracket drop. Um, just to give it more ground, more ground clearance. And the claim was that, like, with the e-bikes, just inherent stability through the extra weight and the motor will place down low. You don't need quite such a low bottom bracket, so you might as well give yourself a little bit more clearance and leeway from pedal strikes on like technical climbs. Um, so the geometry is it's not groundbreaking, it's not extreme, but it's it's very practical and kind of in the ballpark of what you'd expect from. A modern kind of enduro bike. Um, and yeah, and, and it rides, you know, very much like you'd expect those geometry figures to ride. Um, they use, what is quite interesting is, and I hadn't seen this before I went out there, is Bosch's new 2023 mini remote and control unit. So they use like a wireless remote. Um, there's attached to, I forget the name of it, I have to actually look this up. What does it attach to? The motor. Uh, Handlebars. No, smart system. It's uh, It's got a name. App. An app. No. Uh, um, 
Your helmet. Well, I, can't, I didn't get the word. No. System controller. Oh, <laughs> controller. <laughs> yeah. So they have a mini remote and a system controller. So the system controller is kind of sits on the and the top tube, just in front or just behind the um, head tube as such. And it's very similar or what you would see on like a, a specialized turbo bike, that sort of same shape design. Um, but that is wirelessly connected to a new mini remote that sits on the handlebars by the grip. And it's very similar to Shimano's mode selector. Mm. Yeah, because the, the, the um, Bosch so, ones, have, um, they're notoriously large, like the, the old school Purion display, which is like the uh, LCD uh you know, like monochrome display is huge with the buttons on it, and then even the current smart system uh, buttons are quite are quite chunky. Yeah, so it's uh, for like fortunately they've kind of reduced all of this, so it just has the little mode selector by the grip, and it forgoes the display on these bikes. I mean, it can be connected to a Bosch Kiox, is it? Kiox yeah, display. Yeah. Um, but they yeah they've chosen not to add this, and all the information in like battery range and mode is just done on the little system controller on the top tube um and that was kind of just to help you not be distracted while riding down the trail nice um is it is it got so, uh, bosch's uh, performance line cx race motor so the top model there's there's seven models in the range four of them are carbon three are hydroformed aluminium um the top model the m limited edition bike that does feature it and that's the one i rode yeah and it has the uh, i think i think the motor saves about 140 grams they claim and it and it uses their like really aggressive race mode which is uh which is impressive yeah it's uh it's a a good setting i enjoyed that one <laughs> made uphills much more fun yeah spicy isn't it um yeah yeah so or all the frames whether it's uh, the carbon or the aluminium one, you can spec it with a 625 watt hour battery or 751. Um, they all have models like this, or Bayer have spec each model with what they think is the most suitable battery. But using all Bayer's like Myo system or program on the website where you can customize what you buy or add to your upgrade or not, you can choose which battery you think is best for you. So there's about a 900 gram difference, I think, in the battery weight. So if you're going for less range but lighter weight and a, a lighter bike on the trail, then you might go with the lighter weight battery. Or the, and then if you just want maximum range as big as possible, then you accept the weight penalty and, and add the 750 watt hour battery in there. One thing I should like about the frame, this what they've managed to do is make a few, or they've copied from the rail on the steep and deep seat tube. So even on the size small frame, there's four sizes, small, medium, large, extra large, you can fit a 200 mil dropper post in the size small. So they've managed to make the seat tube uninterrupted and they've moved the charging port externally as such. So they've shifted it outside. They've got a fancy little cap to cover this. Um, but yes, yeah, so even uh, even short rides, if you wanted to put a 200 mil dropper in there, you could. I'd love to see what uh, someone who needs who rides a size small bike but needs a two hundred millimeter dropper's body exactly. would look like. They would <laughs> they would be all legs and no torso. Yeah. So uh, depending what size you are, you can choose between two bikes in the range, and even certain sizes could probably choose between three. Wow. So, so I'm probably just just I could probably get away with 
Uh, yeah, the three sizes, small, medium and large, depending if I wanted a really agile bike. Um, so the reach numbers for the small, like 435, I think, or 430. And then the medium's 455 and the large is 480. So I could probably fit on all three of them, if you know what I mean. But Let's move on. Uh, because in about 10 minutes, the History Extra podcast are recording something in this very room um, and I need to leave. But I've got three bikes to talk about, so sorry for cutting you off there, Luke. <laughs> all I'm, good. Um, you can read all about uh, the Wild FS on Bike Radar. Um, so I'm going to talk about Yeti because they have three new bikes, the SB120, the SB140, which also includes the SB140 Lunch Ride, uh, and a new SB160. So... Um, they basically revamped their entire range. So these are going to create like the core of the range, uh, these three bikes. It's going to be joined by the SB165, which is a 27.5-inch Enduro bike, the Arc, which is their sort of XC downcountry-ish hardtail, um, and their e-bike, the 160E. Um, so they have basically given each of the new frames a slightly updated silhouette um so they've decreased like the bulge at the bottom of the down tube you know where like the down tube comes out of a bottom bracket almost horizontally and then goes up to the head tube um there's like a bit of a, a bump stop there and they've made that a little bit smaller and they've raised the chain stays at the back and they've also given the whole switch infinity linkage a much more compact design um which means that there's better space inside the front triangle for things like bottles and also lower standover heights. And they've also bought the geometry pretty much bang up to date. Like the previous bikes were, you know, of their time. Um, but I think it's fair to say that maybe they weren't the most progressive bikes in the world. Um, they were definitely getting on a bit, weren't they, as well? They've been quite yeah. a while since they were updated. Um, and so the new bikes, again, there's nothing like wild out there. They're not like the most extreme bikes in the world, but they're definitely like up to date. And because there's three bikes, I'm not going to rattle through three sets of geometry, but rest assured that they are sort of pretty much bang up to date. Now, all the bikes get, um, so like the 120, that comes with a 130mm fork. The 140 comes with a 150mm fork. The 140 lunch ride, which is sort of like the sort of the rad version of the 140, gets a 160mm fork. And the 160 gets a 170 mil fork. And the reason they said that is because they've slackened the head angle, it means that if you kept sort of for the same uh, axle to crown length fork, uh, you can get away with a bit more travel. Because obviously if you slacken an angle, it makes it a bit short lower at the front. So they've added a bit of travel at the front. And that is all about sort of balancing um, the shape. So they wouldn't balance travel front and back. Um, and the updates in the geometry, again, you know, it's all the classics. You've got a steep seat angle up to about 77 degrees. You've got slacker head angles across the board. Um, and all the reaches have grown as well by, I think, about 20 mil per size across all the bikes. It's, um, it's almost like that recipe of longer, slacker, lower is on to something. It's almost like everyone's been doing it for about five years now. Uh, and it does work. I think... This would be a, a topic for another conversation, maybe, but I think you can go too far, but I don't think they've gone too far. Um, they're also offering six sizes, um, extra small all the way up to extra, extra large, uh, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, and all the sizes have size-specific chainstays. Again, the whole balance thing, trying to keep proportionality between front and rear end lengths sort of similar across the board. Um, but it does only grow by two millimetres per size. So read into that what you will. Did, on, uh, did I read somewhere that the Switch Infinity links are now cross-compatible between all the bikes? 
So what they've done with the Switch Infinity Link is that they have updated its, effectively kind of updated its internals, if that makes sense, with like new bearings and and bushing, all that sort of jazz. Basically, all the hardware's all been updated, and that is backwards compatible, I believe, yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing they've done with the, so the 120 in some ways replaces the 115 that was launched in 2020, which was a kind of like a lunch ride version of the SB100 XE bike. Um, and in that one, they had rotated the Switch Infinity Link round by 90 degrees, but the 120 now brings it back, brings it back to its sort of front to back sort of positioning. Now, the Switch Infinity Link, if you don't know what that is, is a, it's a linkage on which the main pivot sits. So the rear triangle sits on one big pivot. Um, and then drives a shock via a little link up at the top. Uh, and that main pivot sits on a shuttle that moves up and then down as the suspension compresses on its bike. And the idea of that is to keep the anti-squat and the leverage ratios and all that sort of stuff as separate as possible. Um, well, I rode, I've got a 120 in the workshop, which I've ridden once and so far, and it's impressive in, in that regard. One thing I really noticed, and I, I could go into lots of details about the frame, but I, th I think the thing that actually interested me the most was more about suspension kinematics and behavior in general. When you ride that bike up an incline, it's incredibly solid. Like It is so solid, the back end. Like Without a lockout on, there is virtually no movement in the shock. And then I was, like, I was like, "Oh, this this is really efficient. This is incredible." And it you know it still deals with bumps and stuff. It, like it's performing well. And then you get onto the flat and pedaling along, and it starts like bouncing up and down a bit. And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Because one thing that we sort of talk about a lot is you know anti anti squat and all that sort of stuff. But anti squat is dependent on your center of mass, so it, it kind of changes with rider height. It changes with bike sizing, and it also changes with the inclination of the trail and road in which you're riding. And it just so happened that the anti-squat, when you're going up a hill on this bike, it's really bloody good. And then along the flat, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just noticeable how different it was. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, definitely. And what, what you could read into that is that when you're going up an incline, you're actually increasing sag because your weight is getting you know pivoted onto the rear wheel. Obviously, as it will, as you lift the front, your weight goes backwards further. So you're actually increasing the bike's sag, and you're probably just increasing the anti-squat ever, anti ever so slightly as the bike sags a little more. Mm. Um, which you know, when it's flat and your weight's more evenly spread, it, you know, it, it won't do that. So it's yeah. interesting. You can play. Obviously, you can play around with that. If you, if you, you know, this is something I was chatting to the um, Neil, who who works for the distributors in the UK about. You know, you you could play around with the sag levels to sort of get that anti-squat to work really well on the flat, but then maybe it wouldn't work so well elsewhere. It's just really interesting, like just how sort of the interplay between you know centre of mass and and all that sort of stuff works. Anyway. Back to the bike. Um, everything's a bit more compact. The frame is a bit more svelte. Uh, the linkage is updated uh, and a bit more sort of packed into the bike. The geometry is updated. Um, and yeah, they're pretty good. All, all these models are 29-inch wheels? All 29, yeah. Although the 140 Lunch Ride, there is a 27.5 option on that as well. Although details are a little bit scarce today i need to confirm a few of those um but we do have they, they've staggered their release so the 160 was released um week before last the 120 was released last week in the middle of the week on the tuesday and i think the 140 was released uh at the back end of last week so all the details are online, but obviously we're recording this ahead of time. So when I said it was all released last week, what do you mean is this week? Uh, but anyway. Uh, so, and then really quickly, what sort of prices are we looking at? Because Yetis uh, have a reputation for not being cheap. 
They're not cheap. Um, you can buy um, frame only. Um, there are a wide range of models, I think. So obviously there's the Turk series, which is like the, the real posh ones, and then there's C series. So there's two tiers. The Turk ones get um, a slightly more updated, like, uh, well, the, the the linkage has been updated really in the Turk ones. So that's one where you get like, all the bells and whistles in terms of the bearings and all that sort of stuff. But um, prices start at $6,400. Um, for the 140, they go all the way up to about twelve thousand dollars in the 160. Um, so they're not cheap, um, as you'd expect. Also, in the UK and in Europe, you don't get every model either. So have a look on backradar.com and you'll find all the pricing and spec details on there. Um, and if you look out on backradar.com in the coming weeks, you'll see a full review of the SP 120T. I think it is I have the second tier one I think or maybe it's the top tier one I can't remember off the top of my head so many bikes so spoiled <laughs> there's a lot of bikes <laughs> so yeah um, yeah that was a, a very brief introduction to the to three new years but yeah have a look online and you'll find it all in there beautiful thank you Tom sorry for taking up all your time Tom with my rambling that's alright Luke it'll all get edited out I did, I've got plenty more to say <laughs> I'm you know, sure you keep going, does it? <laughs> I feel bad I feel bad um, but you can read all of uh, Luke's really thorough and detailed uh, I'm not going to say ramblings because that's a negative term but incredibly thoughts, concise incredibly concise thoughts on bike credit along with um, Al's full review of the Marin attack trail or rift zone uh, rift zone oh Tom and, and Marin as well <laughs> oh my god nailed it alright well um, I'll say goodbye from from the Bristol studio and uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, and if you've got any questions, please don't forget to email podcast at bikeradar.com and we'll try our hardest to answer any of them in an upcoming tech Q&A or you know, just generally in a podcast. And if you like the podcast, please do give us a rating. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you can like it on your podcast provider, which I presume you probably could. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 